0: center ice for all things Islanders, Rangers and all news across the NHL on WFUV Sports.
1: Hey there. 5 on 3 WFUV's NHL podcast. Tyler Mooney here with me with a brand new Adam Fox towel cuz yes, I couldn't let that be in my possession for <laughs> much longer. And Samantha Bohr down at the Lincoln Center campus. Um hello friends. Uh, last night was probably one of the best games in the entire playoffs and uh, Tyler, you were there and I um I was very impressed by the Rangers resolve after looking like a, a dead corpse of a team uh in the first period.
0: Yes. The first well, the first period they looked um, offensively, they looked horrendous. They really I, I couldn't think after the end of the first period of one legitimate chance that they had that really challenged Louis Domingue and when they get the two penalties called on them within twenty seconds of the game, you're thinking, Oh, oh boy, this this could get bad quick. And when you kill that off, I mean, the energy from the arena, it really felt like the Rangers were able to carry that and get off to a good start, which they obviously were unable to do. And until about, you know, 35 minutes into this game, I'm sitting there with Quiggs and and we're thinking, you know, this this is probably going to be the end here. Let's just hope that, you know, there's no Louis Domingue shutout to end the Rangers season because that, how poetic would that be? (laughs) But uh, yeah, then the craziest, probably the craziest four minutes of the Rangers season ensues at the end of the second period there three straight goals and then Pittsburgh ties it 10-12 seconds after so that was when me and Quiggs were calling in to one-on-one nightly so it, it was the, the I was overstimulated so hard right then like there was so much going on I'm like trying to listen to Aiello and Eli and and the Rangers are literally scoring goals before you can even realize they've scored one before and then the Penguins are scoring so that was an insane game and Credit to the Rangers for showing the resolve that they did. They're obviously a team who's come back a lot this year, and they came back in the most important game that the Rangers have played in, what, five, six years now? So that was was that. showed a lot of character from, from that team last night.
2: Yeah, I, for one, thought this series was over. I was um, out the other night with someone with a journalist who will not be named and uh, we were chatting and I was like, I think this series is over. And they were like, I think you're right. And I was like, I know, I know I'm right. And I was texting so many people about it. And I was like, wow, so sad that like my brackets going to like already be so off because I had the Rangers winning this round. And you know what? No, I was so shocked um, at all the alerts I was getting last night, but Hey, like you said, props to the Rangers for pushing through on what is the most important game Now, my question is, can they do it again to stay alive when they go back to Pittsburgh? Because, of course, being in the garden helps so much. You have your fans there, like one of the best fan bases in the league. Is it going to be possible to do the same thing and to come back from that kind of deficit when you're in enemy territory?
1: Yeah, especially with the way that Igor was received in Pittsburgh with the Igor-Igor chance. uh, It was not his best two games for sure. Obviously... We knew coming into the series, we knew coming into the playoffs that the Rangers were only going to go as far as Igor was going to take them. And if that was only one win, that was going to be pretty surprising. And he ends up only playing 60 minutes of hockey in Pittsburgh out of the two games and gave up 10 goals with a sub-80 save percentage in those 60 minutes. Uh, That was... I mean... I don't think the second game was his fault, game four, because the team just didn't try. There was no effort. There was no picking up sticks. Adam Fox had his worst game of his career, probably. And it was... it. I was ready to dance on the grave yesterday. I was ready for this to be... <laughs> uh, I, I'll, I'll be honest. Like, yeah, Two of my great friends are there. They're both big Ranger fans. They're covering the game. And after all I've put Tyler through with these terrible Islander games, I did want him to enjoy the game. But I was also... Ready to dance on the grave, because there's no way that the Rangers that showed up for Game 4 on Monday could possibly win a hockey game against anybody besides like a Mike team. So the fact that they were able to turn this thing around, they have to win Game 6 in Pittsburgh, which I just don't think they can do. I don't think that they, even, even if Crosby doesn't play, which it sounds like he has a concussion, I don't think that they can win to Pittsburgh, but if if you can rattle Malkin like the Islanders did, and like the Rangers did in the third period yesterday, then you have a chance.
0: Yeah, Malkin and Gensel were both completely off their game in that third period, and no Crosby would obviously help the Rangers. You know, he's been completely torching them this series, but I agree, Chris. It's gonna. I, I just have a difficult time seeing this team going into Pittsburgh the way that they were just completely and utterly dominated for five of the six periods in Pittsburgh. The second period in game three, they that was maybe the best period the Rangers have played all season, and every other second of hockey in Pittsburgh besides that was, I don't think a single thing went right. It was an utter disaster. And we're going to have to see if Igor can, can bounce back. These are the kinds of games that, going into it, Henrik Lundqvist would just single-handedly decide, I'm not losing this game, and he'd give up like one goal, if that he would probably get a shutout. So we'll see if Igor Shosturkin can carry the Rangers uh, on his back going into this playoffs. Exactly, he was gonna. The Rangers were gonna go as far as Igor can take them, and going into this playoffs, it was gonna be difficult for the Rangers to win four games against any team without having Igor steal at least one of them for him. And I don't, he didn't steal game two, and he didn't really steal the game last night either. So you're still waiting for that big Igor Shosturkin performance that results in a win. Obviously he played insane in game one, but they didn't win. So, I mean, it's just going to have to be an overall better team effort than the two games in Pittsburgh, but that starts with the goaltender.
2: I totally agree. And I mean, we, like you were just saying, we've talked about it all season that Igor was going to be the one to carry them through the playoffs. I feel bad for him, honestly. Like there was so much pressure on this man. Of course, Goaltender is the most important position on any team, but, like, especially for the Rangers. Not that they don't have great players, but it's, like, he has been the reason they have been as good as they are this year. Point blank, he is the best player on that team. And I feel bad. He came into this as a fairly new guy with so much pressure on his back, and everyone's comparing him to Henrik Lundqvist, and, like, it's not the same, but he has to find a way if he wants to stay in here. I think people are being perhaps a little too harsh on him though being like you're a failure and i'm like no he's not he's just a young goalie this is his first playoffs i don't think he ever recovered after that triple overtime i think that that wiped him out enough that he was not set to go for game two game three anything after that i think that that triple overtime was just too much for him to handle right off the bat and he's just not been able to bounce back since
1: yeah it, that i 100 agree and i said it in between games one and two when we did the podcast, I if they had won the triple overtime game, I would have considered playing Jorgiev in game two. But because they lost it, they had to play Igor. They won that game. They needed to win that game. But it kind of showed that he was exhausted. And I think Yorgive was pretty good in those three periods he played. He did stop some pretty quality chances, especially in game three, which was um, one of the weirdest hockey games I've ever seen in my life. Because <laughs> I, I went out um, to, to this restaurant, And uh, as I'm walking out, I look up into the bar, check who won the Kentucky Derby and the Rangers score. That's how long we were there. And and I see an 80-1, to won the Kentucky Derby. I was like, that's the coolest thing of all time. And the Rangers are losing 4-1. Like, this day is awesome. I was like, how great is this? (laughs) Drive a half an hour back. I check the score when I get back. 4-4. I'm like, you got to be kidding me with this. So then, of course, turn it on. They gave up the Dan Hyden scores, and I was very happy, but... Yeah, it's been a very, very interesting and weird series that the Pittsburgh Penguins look to close out on Friday night. If there is a Game Seven, it will be on Sunday night uh, at Madison. Sunday night? Is that even announced? Sunday at some point, I guess technically. I'm assuming it would probably. It'll be probably be a night game. game. Yeah. Um, yeah. TBD. TBD. But Sunday at some point at Madison Square Garden. Um, and you can obviously follow tqigso4 on Twitter uh, for all <laughs> your Rangers updates. Also, last night was the Florida Panthers um, holding on for dear life. They were down 3 nothing at one point in this game, and they scored five consecutive goals, five points from Carter Verhage, who's been incredible in this series. They finally looked like the Florida Panthers. For the first four games, really three and two-thirds games of the series, they didn't look like the 2022 Florida Panthers. They finally did that, where they were just scoring at will, They they... Are now up three two, going back to Washington for Game Six, and Bobrovsky hasn't been the problem. But as we mentioned last episode, I was a little bit surprised to not see Spencer Knight just to try and put a little bit of put a little bit of juice into this team. Alexander Barkov hasn't looked fantastic, but I mean, if you can get five points from Carter Verhage, you're going to be you're going to be winning a lot of hockey games. So I think the concern is kind of out the window for Florida. Looks like they'll be able to wrap this thing up in six games. And move on to face the winner of Tampa Toronto. Um, but we were we were one overtime goal and one half decent game from Emilia Samsonov from this being a five game like this very easily could have been Washington in five, just based on how these two games went. Um so Florida's showing the resolve, as we mentioned with the Rangers, showing that they're the best team in hockey. And looks like, although you never know. They're going to be moving on.
0: Yeah, I'm not I'm not ready to write off the Caps just yet. They've they've hung with the Panthers this entire series. But I agree with what you say about Bobrovsky. You know, he hasn't been the problem, but he certainly hasn't been the solution, I guess I'll say. He's kind of just been—they've been—seems like they've been winning in spite of him and not because of him, which, you know, when you're a team like the Panthers, they've built the—they the, got to the point they're at not because of their goaltending, because they can just— score at will like you said and they haven't been doing that this series i believe did they have they still not scored a power play goal in this series i don't I believe don't they think have so no it says they didn't last night and i know so that they, they, they have yeah. not that's in and of itself just i mean if you would have told us through five games the florida panthers would not have scored a single power play goal i would not be surprised if, to to hear that they'd be losing that series i mean that that's just an incredible stat when you consider how dominant and how lethal that power play is and all the weapons, and then you add a guy like Claude Giroux, who had a beautiful goal last night, but uh, I, I think, you know, there's no excuses for Florida to not win this series now, you know, you had the scare, down 2-1, get the big overtime win, and now you get the big comeback win last night, and while I know, you know, closing it out in Washington will be difficult, I I, I think if they don't do it in Washington, they'll, they'll do it at home in Game 7. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I, I am also not ready to like write the series off quite yet, Um, because I think there is a way for Washington to make this happen when they do play at home. But I'm just like disappointed in the Panthers in this playoff series. Like, I don't know if it's the president's trophy curse coming back to bite them as it does most people, but. I, I I feel like I haven't been seeing them play the way that I did in the regular season. And of course, it's playoff hockey, so it's different, as everyone always says. But like, it just it, this team isn't looking like the team that went on an eleven game win streak or something, or like ended up top of the league. I'm I don't know. Most of all, like you mentioned it, like Alexander Barkov, I have had him pinned as like one of the best players I've seen in a while, at least when I watch him in person, and especially on this roster. And he's not been turning out the kind of production that i would like to see and i think that that's hurting them but i don't know i think that they'll probably find a way if it goes to game seven i think they'll end up winning but i don't know if they have a if washington has a great night next game they play i think it's over i think that maybe the panthers couldn't meow the way they used to <laughs> you know
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i, <laughs>
2: meow. I was trying to uh, think hey. like a I was trying to think of like a their bark was worse than their bite kind of thing, but then I was like, yeah, "They're cats. They are cats. Their their meow was not as good as their." But Me- <laughs> I meow. feel like I panthers.
0: <laughs> I feel like panthers roar a little more than meow. They might be like meowing. <laughs> yeah. <in this> series. <laughs> the Florida <laughs> the
1: Florida tabby cats like <laughs> they changed their name, but they are the comeback cats. That's their yes. that's their nickname this year. They have more comebacks than anybody in the history of hockey. Um, really? tied with tied with the sixty win. Uh. Lightning team that the Kucherov MVP year um, for the most comebacks uh, ever. So maybe like maybe we kind of should have expected this in a way where like okay they're down three two and they score that crazy goal of six on five and they win in overtime. They're down three nothing they score five straight goals like this is kind of what they do. You saw it happen in person, Sam, against the Devils. I saw it happen with against the Islanders. They're down two one and scored uh, to send it to overtime and then in overtime um, they. They're never out of a game, which obviously when you're in the playoffs is going to be pretty important um, to just just never kind of give up on these games because, yeah, as I mentioned, I think a lot of other teams are losing in five to the way the Washington has played in this series. The final game five, so Pittsburgh up 3-2 after losing last night. Florida up 3-2 after winning last night. The final game five was also tied at two coming in. It was between Calgary and Dallas. I kind of look like a fool because I said this was going to be an absolute romp. Uh, Calgary does win this one 3-1. Jay Gottinger has been absolutely unbelievable in this series. He's been the difference, I think, in terms of Dallas having uh, just a breath uh, and a chance. But they, they do lose 3-1 in Calgary last night. Uh, this has been maybe the most boring series in the history of the world. The over 5.5 has only hit in one of the five games I saw, so that's... That's all you gotta know. This is this is classic uh, clutch and grab goaltending hockey. Both goalies over 940 coming into last night's game, uh, but Calgary's the better team, so they're gonna win. They're gonna win this series, I think, and they have Game Seven at home to do it. If they don't get it done in Game Six in Dallas, uh, I, I think, I think you kind of saw maybe a couple of chinks in the armor of of Calgary, but in the it probably playing the Kings. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, <laughs> like, It just feels like they have such an easy ride that to the could, conference that, final.
0: That could be one of the easier routes to the conference finals that we've seen in recent memory. If They end up securing this win against the Stars and then if uh, LA can win one of the next two versus the Oilers that would pit those two teams against each other. That would, Yeah, that would be quite the, the run to the conference finals. But Jake Ottinger has been incredible in this series. I mean, goal scoring as you just heard with that stat, has been at a severe premium in this series. And really, most of the goals that Calgary has scored, they've been ones that Ottinger literally has had no chance on. Mm -hmm. Like, you think the Johnny Gaudreau penalty shot in Game 4, that was just... That was nasty. Nasty. That stick. was disgusting. So cool. And then the, the two goals that he let up last night, one was just no one tied up back one stick at the front of the net, a wide open tap in, and then the other one was an absolute snipe by I believe it was Mangiapani. Yep. So none of these goals and, and there are there are times I believe I forget if it was game three or game four, but Ottinger a, a Calgary player had a wide open net and Ottinger made that an insane. Was glove to save. Foley I believe it was game
1: four. In game four. Four. I want to say it was game four. So it was Monday. Even
0: these wide open chances that should be goals that the Flames are getting, Ottinger is still managing to stop some of them, and he's absolutely the the reason that the Stars are in this series. Calgary's definitely been outplaying them. I don't think it's been like they haven't been running circles around them, like you know a certain Colorado Avalanche team ran around the Nashville Predators. But Ottinger has definitely gotten the Stars to the point they're at, and I mean, listen, he had a shutout already in this series. Who knows? He could go on a crazy run here and the stars could get a win at home that crowd is always energetic in dallas and then game 7 anything can happen in game 7 and calgary's obviously notorious for for choking in the playoffs so i'm <laughs> i'm feeling pretty confident with my stars pick honestly that was uh they're hanging in there they're making it a series and let's go stars in game 6 baby come on
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay i like your like resolve behind this dallas too i think that's so fun um i don't know i I, Calgary's a great team. I don't have too much to add to what you both have already said. I agree, except I don't think that the Stars are going to win this series. So I'm going to disagree there. I just think that Calgary's a better team. Yes, maybe they choke, but I think that they just have such a full roster this year that, like, they are just so good. They are just so good as a team. I love watching them play. I think that Markstrom is a phenomenal goalie, one of my favorites, at least in the league, to watch. I don't know. I see this going to game seven, but I see Calgary winning it in the end of it all. I just think that that's what's going to turn out. But like you said, Edinger has been the reason that they've made it this far, and he's been phenomenal. And also that penalty shot was one of the best things I've seen in the playoffs so far. That's my two cents on this whole series. Yeah,
1: this has been it's been a, a little bit of a bore cuz it's been yeah. opposite the Avalanche for the first four games. So it's like why am I watching this? And then last night when it wasn't opposite the Avalanche, it was, you know, it was opposite a blowout basketball game, so it really was the best thing on TV and then it was, you know, one nothing into the third period. <laughs> um but, you know, I, I think Calgary can win that way and and Dallas Dallas they had that one line. Jason Robertson only scored his first goal of the whole series last night uh and I think that They've really been able to shut down Calgary and turn every game into a coin. I saw somebody tweet, they turn every single game into a coin flip because they can't score, but they're going to prevent you from scoring. So every game is going to be 2-1, 1-0. One, one, Last night, 3-1 in favor of the Calgary Flames. So, And when you have home ice, that coin flip is going to go your way more than it isn't. So, you know, I, I do think that there's a chance they win on Friday night and uh, get, things, get things back to Game 7. They uh, will... Are you frozen, Sam? I don't know. Can I hear you?
2: Can you hear me? I
1: can hear you loud and clear. Oh, okay, Fantastic. great.
2: That's awesome. I just didn't know. I didn't... My, my, anyways, sorry. No. I was at home. You're, Technical problems.
1: You're good. Um, so, because we're going to move on to your Colorado Avalanche, who should have played Game 5 last night, but uh, they decided to just uh, sweep the Nashville Predators instead. Yes. They only trailed for, what, about 11 and a half seconds in this whole series? At some I think point, the
2: stat, yeah, the stat was literally like like ninety two. It was something crazy. I don't know.
1: It was at some in third period of game four. Philip Forsberg scored to make it three to two, and then mm-hmm. Colorado decided that they didn't want to go back uh, to Colorado to play a hockey game, so they just turned it on in the third period. This team is absolutely insane. Uh, we've talked about in the regular season that for Toronto and Colorado. The regular season doesn't matter; you, their playoffs matter. I honestly would put the first round as part of the regular season for Colorado, because, as you know, Sam, they've dominated the first round the last couple of years and have got out in the second round. Yeah. So now you await the winner of St. Louis, Minnesota, Ugh. and uh, <laughs> that's three-two uh, St. Louis. So we'll we'll see we'll see what happens there. But in terms of the play on the ice for the first four games, uh, I mean, Cam McCar is insane.
2: Kel is an absolute freak of nature. That man is, I'm one of the best players in the entire league right now. I will put all of my money on that statement. He deserves to win the Norris. He is so good. If he doesn't, I am actually going to riot. I will show up to Gary Bettman's office and I will yell at him sternly. Um, nothing more than that, but I will yell at him sternly. But I, I mean, watching this Avalanche series was one of the most entertaining things for me as a fan And I had a great time. And I think what's really important for them is that it didn't go to game seven. It didn't go very far. So now they can rest before round two where they will face off against the wild or the blues, both of which are teams that I do not like very, very strongly um, for many reasons. (laughs) So I don't know. That'll be a very interesting series. Um, I predicted the wild to win that one. So I'm a little shocked to see the blues pulling out ahead, but we've faced the blues in the past and we swept them in round one in years past. So I'm not too worried about it, but the apps have just been insane this year, as we know, and they're continuing to be, if they choke in round two, I think there's going to be some serious shifts, um, in the office of the avalanche organization.
0: Yeah, that was, uh, they Colorado killed Nashville. I don't really have much to say on yeah. it. I agree with the fact that the first round, like you can just include that in the regular season with the avalanche. They're just they're mild. Uh, they They swept the Blues in the first round last year. They did. And it was like not even close. No. And then they lost in the second round. So we'll see, now they're going to play an actual playoff caliber team. That's correct as and well. And we'll see how they match up against. Poor
1: Connor playoff. Ingram, man. I know Sam obviously didn't want to see this. I wanted to see that guy steal a game yeah, at home. Yeah, so did I. Uh, that that game too was awesome where he just stood on his head and oh, uh, yeah. and got them into overtime and then Kale from, from the moon put that. Put that in. That was a pretty sweet shot. That's the game. Kale McCarr had over 20 shot attempts. He <laughs>
2: is just bananas. He's just a little baby too. He's young. Yeah, he's, he's great. like 24
1: or whatever. Yeah. Um, breaking news from Larry Brooks: Jacob Trouba will not have a hearing or a fine for the hit on Sidney Crosby that knocked him out of the game. Not surprising, I think.
0: I don't. I, I thought he might have been 5K lighter in the wallet.
1: But... Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't think the head was the principal point of contact at the end of the day. I think it was an unfortunate collision. Um, that led to, you know, obviously a guy who we know has head injuries yeah. to go out with a head injury. Um, but I guess the this series is totally fixed for the Rangers because they love Crosby. Narrative can kind of go out the window now.
0: I don't know. I guess. Yeah. I guess.
1: Oh, man, oh, man. <laughs> so we mentioned that Colorado is going to play the winner of Minnesota-St. Louis. This is 3-2 in favor of St. Louis because... Uh, Jordan Biddington has come in and relieved Vili Huso. Vlad Tarasenko with a natural hat-trick in the third period to win Game 5 on the road, which is obviously a huge victory. They have a chance to lock this thing down in 6. Looks like Biddington is going to go again. The question is, in the in the three games they've lost, marc Angel Fleury has not been very good. He's at about a 900 save percentage. Do you put a Hall of Fame goaltender on the bench-facing elimination and put Camp Talbot in? Because Cam Talbot was good in the final... 6 weeks of the season, but I I don't think I would be able to live with myself for the whole summer if I got eliminated with one of the best goalies of the generation sitting to my right.
0: Yeah, there's no way. There's no way you can put Flurry on the bench. He's hasn't been, you know, outstanding in the series, but in the games that they did win, he he was very good and I know Cam Talbot was pretty good to end the regular season once he did, you know, kind of move into that backup role but there were some times you know in January and February when the Wild were starting to drop in the standings in large part due to goaltending where Cam Talbot was just having some horrendous games and I think you know you got to ride with what you got to ride with Flurry. he's got you here at least towards the end of the season you traded for him for moments like this where you needed your goaltender to step up and this has been a series of momentum swings you know the Blues dominated in game one and the Wild took two straight. Now the Blues have taken two straight. So it's going to be very difficult for Minnesota to go into St. Louis, a very difficult place to play in an elimination game and, and try and extend their season to one more game to go back to Minnesota. But uh, I think if they do, it's going to have to be on the backs of Marc-Andre Fleury and obviously Kaprizov, who's been ridiculous this series. He might be, he legitimately might be a top five player in the league. I, 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 he, he's I completely incredible. Agree. I, I could get behind He's that. incredible. But, uh, yeah, no, I would I would stick with Fleury 100%. Yeah,
2: I agree. I think that unlike Igor Sterkin, Marc-Andre Fleury has that playoff experience, um, lest we forget everything that happened with the Vegas Golden Knights. I think he has that playoff experience. I think that he knows when to turn on the gas, similar to – I think he knows when to turn it on when it's really go time and what that means and like the actual severity of the situation I don't think you can bench him I think that's just like disrespectful if you put Marc-Andre Fleury on the bench in a game like this and put in Cam Talbot who's not bad by any means but I don't think there's any way I I Kirill Capri like you said is d- phenomenal yeah I would give it a top five player in hockey right now um he has been insane this entire season and this playoff run is just adding to that. I do think that if they're in St. Louis, the blues are going to find a way to pull it out, which I hate. Cause I do not like the blues. I used to like them. And now I do not like them one single bit. So I don't really want to see them win. Cause I'm a hater, but I can't disrespect good hockey playing, I guess. So We'll see. Either way, this series is like a lose-lose for me, personally. But <laughs> I don't think there's a way that they bench Flurry. I think that he'll be in. And unless things go horribly wrong, I don't think Cam we will see the ice in the next game.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree. I, I think it's it's fascinating to me that Jordan Biddington hadn't won a playoff game since Game 7 of the 2019 Stanley Cup Final until he came into this series. That, to me, is insane. Yeah. Like. They obviously got swept out of last year's playoffs, and then he was in and out of the lineup in the bubble. They they lost all the games in the round robin, and then they got beat by Vancouver, and they had the backup playing and the whole nine yards. I think it was Jake Allen at that time still. Maybe. I don't even remember. Think so. <laughs> yeah, who Who even remembers the bubble? It was all fake anyways. Hmm. And this guy put together what could be argued is the greatest run by a goaltender we've ever seen in the playoffs. Like, it's up there considering where he where the team was in January, where he was the year before, to put together that game on the road in Game 7. One of the best performances we've ever seen by a goaltender. And now he seems to be coming back a little bit. That contract looks horrible. Six years, $6 million a year. Looks horrible. But, you know what? If every time you're going to put him in the playoffs, he's going to win 16 games for you. It's worth, it's worth yeah, the money, I that guess. Yeah, it's
0: definitely worth it. It looked like, after so played incredible in game one i mean it looked like we maybe not, might not see vinnington for a long time in st louis but credit to him he uh he was ready when his opportunity arose and he's single handedly not single handedly but he, he's a massive reason why the blues have, have crawled from being down 2 one to now just one game away from advancing
1: agreed we have the heart trophy to award go for it sam
2: oh my gosh yay okay this year, our Hart Trophy nominees were Austin Matthews from the Toronto Maple Leafs, Igor Shesterkin from the New York Rangers, and Johnny Gaudreau from the Calgary Flames. All right, so the reason
1: we're, we're sliding this in the middle of the episode is because as of six minutes ago, the Hart Trophy
0: nominees were announced. Ooh. Um, we almost nailed it.
2: We almost nailed it. Wait, hold
0: on, hold up, hold up, hold up. I want to guess. Okay. It's definitely, McDavid's definitely in there. Over. Over, it's either going to be Shesterkin or Goudreau. Over Goudreau. Okay,
1: yeah. We actually had McDavid and Goudreau tied at 22 points. But I think Goudreau gets it because he had three second place votes as opposed to McDavid's one. I think that's how it works. So I think that would be how it works. Uh, So I think we get like half credit for that. Uh, The winner, Sam.
2: The winner of this year's Hart Trophy is... Austin Matthews, the not,
1: Toronto Maple Leafs. Woo, not surprising. He gets 36 points out of the 40. Uh, Matt Benzo, Mike Messina, and Thomas Quigley all voted for Igor Shosturkin. Um, James Burrell puts Shosturkin in fifth, which I respect James Burrell's <laughs> hatred of the Rangers. It's actually so funny to me. Um, he is
2: like so vehement about
1: it. <laughs> he is. Everybody else had, of course, Austin Matthews in first place, which is how he ends up with 36 points. McDavid and Gaudreau, as I mentioned, tied at 22. For in a tie for third, then he had Huberdo in fifth. Ovechkin, only Quigs voted for Ovechkin. He gets sixth place, and then Drysudle and Robin Yossi got one point each. So we went pretty chalk with this. Almost everybody had, well, every single person had some combination of Matthews, Shesterkin, McDavid, Gaudreau in their top five. Feels feels right.
0: Yeah, I think that's. This is probably how the voting will end up. I think. I think we could see McDavid jump Shesterkin for second, but I think Matthews is, I can't see him not winning. Yeah,
1: 60 goals and another pretty sweet one last night, or two nights ago, I should say, uh, to win a game for the Toronto Maple Leafs. They are, They are looking pretty, up three games to two, headed to Tampa. They were up three games to one against Montreal last year. They didn't get it done. Now they have a chance to get it done on the road in Tampa Bay. I tweeted this out. Thank you, Sam, for liking it. And quickly, <laughs> the last time Tampa faced elimination, they only had one game seven in their last two runs. And, of course, they won one nothing on a shorthanded goal against some team that wears blue. I don't I don't know what team that was. Uh, anyways, <laughs> the last time they faced elimination in a non-game seven was game four against Columbus, 2019. Last time they faced elimination in a game six was the 2015 Cup Final. Obviously they missed the playoffs one year in between there. But they haven't faced elimination in a game 6 since the 2015 Cup Final. They did lose both of those games. They obviously won the last elimination the game they played one nothing over the Islanders. But this run has been absolutely insane, but they have run into a team that is scoring goals at will, which the Maple Leafs haven't done. Now, something that we know the Maple Leafs like to do is hang a banner when things get when they accomplish something menial and and <laughs> like winning three games in a playoff series and, and just lay down and die. We saw them do it last year. Granted, Tavares was out. He's not out this year, although he was irrelevant for the first four games of the series. I think Toronto's actually going to do it. I'm sick of the Hall & Oates song already. I'm done with it. <laughs> I'm done. If, I'm over it. Because I want it to happen so little, I think it's going to happen at the end of the day. Uh, remember, Barry Trotz got fired this week. But at the... I like. If they, like, this last two periods were insane. It was like mm-hmm. this was a team who knew how to win playoff series all of a sudden.
0: Yeah, that was insane. I will say absolute mortal lock on Tampa Bay winning game six. There's, oh, 100%. Yeah, I would, 100%. Tampa Bay by, like, two or three goals. If you can bet that, I would hammer that. I think that, I mean, that's, like, my one big statement of this podcast. There's I. There's <laughs> no way in the world that the Leafs are going. If the Leafs can go into Tampa Bay and... Defeat the st- defending back-to-back Stanley Cup champions to vanquish this this first-round curse that they can't seem to get past. That would be absolutely incredible, and that would really signal, okay, this team is ready to make a giant leap into contention. But I just can't see that happening. So if you think this thing's going back to Toronto for Game Seven, man, that talk about a building that's gonna have just so much like nervous energy.
1: That place has been rocking. That that fan base mm-hmm. gets a bad rap for being not very loud, which has been true for years. For years,
0: that's been true. It's been loud.
1: That place has been rocking for all three games there. Yeah,
0: this is, uh, I mean, Matthews is just magnificent. God, that goal uh, is sick. Yeah, he's insane. (laughs) It would be huge if they can get Tavares going the way that he's played in Game 5. Because, yeah, you you said it, Chris. He's been invisible not only this series, but in really most playoff series that he's played in as a Toronto Maple Leaf. He has not been worth that. What are they paying him, 11 and a half?
1: 11 flat.
0: 11 flat. Yeah, he has not been anywhere close to worth that in his playoff brief playoff runs with the Toronto Maple Leafs. So if they can get Tavares going, that's just another massive boost for Toronto. And, I mean, I, I feel like deep down I think they're going to win, but I just don't, I have no confidence in saying that because we've seen this story over and over again. So it's, this is definitely going to be a crazy end of the series. I'm happy that we finally got a good game. And not a blowout. Oh god,
2: we
1: got that. Was game was worth mm-hmm. the five blow, the four other blowouts for sure.
2: I agree. I think that the Austin Matthews goal that was blowing up, and we all know which one I am. I am talking about. He is like the oh, he's so fun to watch. He is so sick. I I love watching him play. I think that I also agree deep down in my soul. I do feel like the Maple Leaves will find a way to win. I think that it'll be insane with a lot of angry Floridians but I think it's possible especially if game seven in Toronto home ice advantage I don't I mean I don't know I don't have too much to add what you have both already said but I think that this is gonna end up actually being one of the only like interesting series we see over the next like couple of days not that some of them aren't but as we've seen we've had blowout after blowout I think there have been too many games there's been too many 2-2 series like we've gone back and forth too much some of these games should have been much bigger blowouts than they were and we know that and we've not seen some super duper interesting hockey in the playoffs i think the last couple games of this series are going to be some of the best hockey that we see at least in this first round for sure if not in the next round included i think this is just going to be an insane last hurrah for both teams
1: so john tavera's this is not me piling on him, I promise. I just want to bring this up to stack. You actually mentioned it that he's been irrelevant yes. in the playoffs as a Maple Leaf. I, that wasn't me. That was him. <laughs> that was me. That was me. In 17, 18, 18 playoff games with the Maple Leafs, he has 12 points. His last playoff run with the Islanders was when he single-handedly beat the Panthers, and then they lost in five games to Tampa. He had 11 points in 11 games. So... And then he had six points in seven games when they lost to the Caps and five points in six games when they lost to the Penguins, that, that being the Islanders. But then he's had five points in seven games in 19, three points in five games in uh, in the Columbus series, which does that even really count? Um, no points in one game. Of course, he got hurt last year. And then four points in five games so far this year. So if he become like When Austin Matthews is on your team, he's not going to become the guy who... Again, I'm not even exaggerating. Single-handedly beat the Florida Panthers six years ago. Also, that was six years ago. But seeing him score on that power play, getting an assist on the Nylander goal, yeah, he's still been pretty brutal five-on-five, five, but that's the guy that they need to get going. And that game was the core five. Marner was the only one of the core five who didn't score, which is Riley, Tavares, Nylander, Marner, and... Um, Matthews. Matthews, Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> Matthews, thank you.
2: Dramatic pause. That's Marner, Dean, was. the only
1: guy of that five who didn't score. That's exactly what the um, that's exactly what the Toronto Maple Leafs needed was those four guys to score and to win that game at home.
0: Yeah, they uh, when you're paying the the big issue with the Leafs over the course of the, this whole run they've had with this core is you're paying all these top guys so much money and you know how much money do you have left over to improve the rest of that roster so when you are paying these top guys so much you really need them to perform and you can't be paying a guy like John Tavares 11 million and having him not perform in the playoffs because then you really just have no shot if you're pay- if your top guys are- you're getting that much money and they're not performing there there's really nothing you can do so if the big guys for Toronto can get going that that would be huge and most of them have been playing really well but uh Adding Tavares to that would be just so big for them.
2: I agree. I do not have too much to add to that <laughs> statement. I I completely agree. I think you have to get everybody going when, especially if they do move into the next round, you can't just be skating by, no pun intended, um, on having a couple of people doing all the work. You're going to need to get everybody fired up. All of your big guys, you are paying $8 million, $11 million, all of that, because that's why you're paying them that money. So I think that, if everyone can get fired up, it'll be excellent. Otherwise, rest in peace. But yeah. We'll see.
1: Yeah, tend, tend to agree there. Um, that game four was so bad for Toronto. That game that they allowed up three goals in what five minutes to start the game. That was that was really bad. And then they come back with that performance last night to go up three two. They play that winner plays the winner of Florida Washington. The winner of Pittsburgh New York will play the winner of Carolina Boston. Carolina going up to Boston to try and wrap this thing up in six games. Uh, Charlie McAvoy makes a miraculous comeback from Uh, COVID-19. Did you see this? It's like three days after his positive test, he flies down to Raleigh on a private jet the day of the game and plays. It's like, really? Okay. It's kind of weird. But (laughs) anyway, it was so weird. It was like, he's here. It's like, okay, he's a defenseman. And they still lost. (laughs) Um, It was a very odd, odd time there uh, on the ESPN broadcast. But Carolina has dominated all three games at home. They got dominated in game four in the row. They probably could have won in game three. I think Carolina will win the series. I do think it will be tonight. I, I just I don't like this Boston team, even with like Linus all they, they lost. They they spotted Carolina two games by playing their worst goalie. Simple as that.
0: Yes. I this has the feeling of a series where just the home team wins every game. I feel like Boston is that that's tonight. Yeah, Boston. Boston tonight. I feel like Boston could get it done tonight at home, and then Carolina comes out and and wins Game Seven because the games in Carolina have just been all three of them have yeah. been dominations by the Hurricanes, and Boston looked really good. I didn't catch Game Three, but Game Four, Boston looked incredible. So this just has yeah, this just has a feeling of the home team winning every game, and I think Boston could get it done tonight, but uh, the Hurricanes are going to ultimately. Prove too much. This is the team with the real expectations, Carolina. So I I think they get past the first round here.
2: I agree. I was texting Colin Loughran and he was like, This Boston team is giving me hope and that's a dangerous, dangerous thing to have. And I was like, Yes, it is. It very much so is. And I sadly, Colin, think that that hope will be all for naught at the end of this series. I think there's not really a way that. The Canes do not make it to the second round. I think that there's so much pressure on them to do that because they've been one of the top teams in the East in the Metro this entire year that if they don't, that will be a shock to everyone. I agree. I think the home team is going to win every game. It'll go to game seven and the Canes will probably win by a goal or two. I think that game seven will be closer than others have been, but I don't see a way that the Hurricanes don't pull it out, especially at home in Raleigh.
1: Yeah, we have we have seven game sixes. We have a chance for seven different game sevens, uh, which would be pretty spectacular. That would have to be like a record. Have to be, and it would also be Gary. Gary would use that as defense for this playoff system for the rest of our lives. So I'm rooting against it too. Okay, yeah, that's a good point. (laughs) <laughs> because like the whole thing is you get competitive first-round series, but you don't want really competitive first-round series because that means good teams are going out in the first round and bad teams are playing against bad teams. Speaking of bad teams playing against bad teams, the last series we have to mention is the Edmonton Oilers playing the Los Angeles Kings. So, like that segue? Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the Los Angeles Kings are a bad hockey team. The Edmonton Oilers are worse. They are 0-5 in their last five <laughs> playoff games in which... The which both number ninety-seven and twenty-nine have scored a goal. That feels impossible to do. You spot the Oilers at least two goals last night. It was three from their two best players, and they lose five out of five times. Uh, that includes two nights ago when they lose five-four in overtime. They literally didn't touch the puck in overtime, and Duncan Keith got worked. And God Almighty, I hate Ken Holland so much. Uh, it, this <laughs> this team is so poorly built is so poorly defend like defensively and in goal. I And this will be blamed on Jay Wordcroft, and he'll get fired, and somebody else will get this job if they lose Game 6. They're playing in Game 6 without Darnell Nurse because he head um, Phil Deneau. Okay. Things are falling apart for the Edmonton Oilers. The good old Connecticut boy and Jonathan Quick is playing out of his mind. I love it. Go Kings, man! I'm done with this Oilers team. I'm sick of them. <laughs> I have reached my breaking point. Go Jonathan Quick. Go Kings. I'm I'm done with them. Yeah. After, Goodbye.
0: After those two blowouts in games two and three, it was I was thinking, okay, maybe this is finally the Edmonton team that we've been waiting to see for won, years. What, eight eight yeah, two or something and, like that. Then six nothing yes. in game two. This is maybe the Edmonton team we've been waiting for to see for so long. They're they're finally getting the depth scoring to back up McDavid and Drysaddle and. Mike Smith is, you know, in the f- the first, obviously game one he had that huge blunder, but in games two and three he was, I mean, he had a shutout in game yeah. two and game three he played well. I was thinking, he hasn't okay, been that bad. Maybe yeah, he but, hasn't been her- terrible, but I mean, I don't think he's, he's never going to steal you a game. It's forty no. one year old Mike Smith or whatever forty year old Mike Smith. I agree. This is just a not a well built roster. You know, the additions of Hyman and Kane have helped with the depth scoring, but. You're still relying on guys like Duncan Keith and Cody CeCe, who are not great defensemen, to to carry the bulk of your defensive core. And now you're missing your $9 million man. And
1: Tyson Berry's been bad.
0: And Tyson Berry's been bad. But now you're missing your $9 million man because he decided to go headbutt someone. Like, what the heck, dude? That was such a bad decision. <laughs> oh, I couldn't God. believe when I saw that. I was like, "That is the most obvious suspension that I've ever seen." And now the Oilers are missing their best defenseman going into a must-win game on the road. You would like to say that you know McDavid and Dreisettle can just carry them through this, but even they have shown that they're not able to carry this team at times. And uh, it was that a real quote that I saw that McDavid said, where he was like. Four goals should be enough but to it, win a playoff game. It wasn't
1: like a shot at Mike Smith. I think okay. it was like a shot at like the team. The team?
0: Okay. I Because, yeah, people, they just took that quote they by took that itself. Quote, and I was yeah. like, oh, oh. But if okay. you
1: watch it, it's supposed to be like, I don't know. I, I heard
0: this I know. Thing. Yeah, the context is probably missing. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, this is uh, – I don't have much else to say. The Oilers are just a mess. Thank God I'm not an Oilers fan.
2: Yeah, I thank God every day that I'm not an Oilers fan. Like, I've been through some bad years. Like, I was a fan of the Avs during the, like, 16, 17 season. Like That was bad. That was really, really bad. Man, I
1: wonder what came out of that year. Oh, Kale hmm. McCarr.
2: Yeah, we love him. Heart to Kale. But, like, he did come out of that year, but that it was just so hard to sit through that year. So terrible to sit through. But I thank God every day I'm not an Edmonton Oilers fan. They are one of my least favorite franchises. I just don't like them. Something about them is so unlikable. I respect dry saddle i respect mcdavid i love my boy tyson Barry. he's gone from the abs but i just go kings i'm done with this series like you said chris i want it to be over i hate evander kane i hate him i do not want them to win if the oilers win this series and i have to watch them in another round i will lose my marbles and i will just but they'll get I will worked never by stop.
1: calgary don't worry about that oh. they, they would get absolutely worked
0: I, by got I do have to say i do have to say sam I, don't, I would much rather see Connor McDavid yes. and Leon Draisaitl play playoff series than the LA Kings. The LA just. She, I just do not get enjoyment from watching them no. play. It's not. It's not because of the history. It's not. It but is. It's just. But that's okay. It's a little bit because of the history. It's a little bit because <laughs> when also, you see Jonathan
1: Quick do his <laughs> weird squirrel thing,
0: you get PTSD. I hate the squirrel and that, thing. And that's fine. The squirrel thing. But it's just that LA doesn't have. You know, the LA is going to get way better and. They're gonna to continue to build, and they'll be a fun team in the future. But I just—they don't entertain me really at all right that's now.
1: That's fair, and that's completely fair. That uh, but I—I I, would—I coming into the series, I wanted Edmonton to win because I wanted the Battle of Alberta. You obviously want McDavid for as many games as possible. But it seems like now the only way to wake up this organization, wake up this ownership, wake up this general manager is for them to go down in burning flames uh, against the Kings. I want them to win Game 6 and lose Game 7 on a home ice with Darnell Nurse. That seems like the only way that this is going to wake them up because I would rather them obviously try to build around McDavid and Drysdale than trade them away, but at this point, you got to do one or the other. What they're doing now isn't working, Um, but who the hell knows. Uh, So that's all eight series. Uh, Everybody got on the board in our bracket challenge with Colorado beating Nashville, so everybody's on the board. Nobody's going to get shut out, so that's good. Um, I gotta check that out. Yeah, well, yeah, me I too. I I'm need to look that at
2: that way. actually. Uh,
1: I mean, everybody has Minnesota, so that's a struggle. Everybody has Tampa, um, and everybody has the Rangers. So, th- so we're we're all struggling <laughs> yes. in those realms. We need we need some three uh, two comebacks in those or three one comeback in terms of the Rangers uh, for that one. But yeah, I think overall we are doing okay. I mean, we're, again, nobody's getting shut out, so that's that's good, uh, which would be very hard to
0: do, but. Yeah, all of my well, I have Florida, but all my other teams are losing in the series. Right yeah, I have now, Edmonton. So.
1: so I, I oh, you have Boston. You don't have Washington
0: though. No, I said besides Florida. Oh, besides Florida, okay. I have Edmonton in the conference finals because I had Dallas winning.
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and I have Minnesota in the conference final. I shouldn't laugh, but yeah, it should be tough. But um, so yeah, we're we're all doing pretty well. Does anybody have any broadcast takes before we before we hit the road here? Anybody? anybody got a, I, I got a couple broad t- broadcasts. Like things.
2: about the broadcast about, of these games. Uh, yeah,
1: about about the because the,
0: it's because it's new. We got new personalities. We got new TVs. We got new angles. TNT is way over ESPN. I agree. It's not. Yes. ESPN. Agreed. Like the we were texting. We were watching. That might have been game one of game one of Tampa. And Toronto. just and it's. I think it's happened in other times in the playoffs. Like the audio is just not. It's not matched up with it the game to TNT, like the, too. the. Audio is either like half a second after the play or it's the other way around, but it's I, I don't get it. And then the graphics the graph game the, the, one, <laughs> the flipping
1: ESPN puck, I was going kept, mad, kept coming up during play. But it happened Gosh. in game two of Nashville, Colorado, too. Like the audio was completely shot. It's like uh, that was on TNT. So, yeah. I mean, it happens to everybody. I'm not Hi. only a Hextall fan, that's my number one take. I'm not a Leah Hextall fan. I feel I like th- I knew that about. Leah. I don't think I many like- people are Leah Hextall fans. Uh, well, she called hard. that one Islander game, and I, I, I didn't like it, and I wanted to like it this time, and I, I just not a Leah Hextall fan. I just think it's, yeah, yeah. I want sure. Linda. I, I think Linda Cohen would be
0: very good. Okay. I agree. I,
2: I, I, don't mind I Leah do Hextall. Names. I think. I, I don't love her she, by any means, but, like, I also don't have a super strong opinion either way. I love a woman in sports. So, by nature, I am, like, good for you for actually making it to one of the, like, biggest stages in hockey. Yeah, 100%. Or, or in sports generally. My my main thing, outside of specific broadcasters or whatever, is just learn how to pronounce players' names. Like, I'm sorry, you can't be Ooh, mispronouncing. I haven't heard this yet. Oh, I have? I was like, don't, like... Oh, I was talking about this the other night with someone. I was like, "You can't be mispronouncing players' names on broadcasts during like nationally televised playoff games." Wait, you, who, who
1: who got mispronounced?
2: I'm trying to remember. It was it was something on ESPN. I'm pretty sure it was an ESPN broadcast, and I was like, "Maybe I'm tripping," but like nah, I could swear that I heard something be mispronounced, and I was like, "I know during the regular season it would happen a fair bit," and I was like, "You don't."
1: yeah mm. like learn fine. how to
2: pronounce people's names like i've made that mistake don't get me wrong i'm still learning how to pronounce all these crazy french Pavel franceau's that that was one the other night on the broadcast people kept going Francois and i was like it's not Francois. it's not Francois. it's Francois. that was one that actually was mispronounced or like i at a devil's game once uh it was pronounced nazim kadri and i was like oh it boy is in fact not that it is in fact nazim kadri so. That, that,
1: that's a bad one. I mean, he's been yeah. around forever. Yeah, my, my uh, Chris Chelios looks like he doesn't want to be there. Oh my god, he looks he looks so disinterested. PK Subban has been fantastic. Chelios, PK Subban is so Messier good on Messier air.
0: Are, I think are, they kicked Messier out. They just replaced him with Subban. Yeah, they're just love Messier, obviously, but he, yeah, they, it's <laughs> Chelios. They, look, looks they just like look there. like they sometimes they're in the middle of talking and they just completely forget about. Yeah. What like they want to say, which like <laughs> obviously it's not for everyone, and like I like I I like the fact they're trying to get like these big recognizable names, but obviously like okay it's just not it's yeah. not working. I like PK on there. I yeah, love he, PK on good. there.
1: I, I I think I think that was a main hit on NBC was all of the guys that you have hired are essentially nobodies. Patrick Sharp was the most successful player that NBC ever hired, and he was just okay on television, and he a pretty good as a player. But Eddie Olchek, Keith Jones, nobody's confusing these guys with Wayne Gretzky. Now, you literally hire Wayne Gretzky, who's I think is okay. Um, I think Biz gets the best out of him. I think that's a, kind yeah. of a funny, like, Abbott and Costello awesome. pairing. Yeah. Uh, and then you hire Chelios, who's, like, one of the greatest American players of all time. Mark Bessie, who won a Stanley Cup with the New York Rangers. Like, you hire these guys, and it's like, this should work. I think TNT is winning right now. But I will say that Bob was choosing Ray Ferraro, Emily Kaplan team that did Rangers-Penguins last night, a plus they that a team, team. I, agree. Is, I think I they're agree. the best one out of every, out of everybody. I mean, obviously Brendan Burke and Butch Goring have a special place in my heart. I love that Butch Goring is doing playoff games, but I, that team is the number one out of every single team that's been out there so far. I think Ray Farrar is the best analyst in the game. And I love, as a Jets fan, love Bob shoes and, and Emily Kaplan. I think is awesome too. So that, that's been my favorite one. That Those are my takes. Those are my broadcasts. Those takes. are, those are valid takes. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, Speaking of broadcast, uh, Thomas Quigley and I are interviewing Doc Emmerich today. So you can catch mm. that on the Senior Show, which is airing Saturday, 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. live on WFUV and other streaming platforms. Um, so you can catch Thomas Quigley and I interview Doc Emmerich, and well, I'm sure we'll post it on YouTube and the whole nine yards uh, after that. So that should be a lot of fun. I'm going to ask him the same question, so we'll see what he says, what he, his thoughts on the TNT and ESPN. Uh, so definitely going to want to catch that. Um who's going to game 7? We don't know. We don't even know if there's going to be a game 7. Uh the Devils got the number 2 overall pick in the draft. Thoughts Sam?
2: Exciting. I am excited. Agreed. Um I think that it'll be important for them. I think it's miraculous that this team finds a way to move up in the draft consistently all the time. Um but good for them. I don't know. I think it'll be good. I think that they need to figure out a way to either well, not draft a goaltender, probably because all the top picks are not goaltenders, but like to draft someone they can trade for a decent goaltender if they want any shot at being contenders in the next few seasons. But I'm excited for them. Go Devils.
1: Yep. Uh, Montreal gets picked number one, Islander get picked number 13. Um, so that's pretty much it from the draft lottery. And uh, we'll talk to you next week, which will be, you know, the first uh, parts of round two. Uh, and my last episode of 513 ever so that should wow. be very interesting
2: that's sad I know
1: this, that is really sad that is quite sad so uh, thank you very much for listening today for Tyler Mooney Samantha Bohr, and Patrick Amaturo behind the board I'm Chris Hennessey we will talk to you next week